Welcome to Lake Mount Worship Center, connecting you to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We hope that you are blessed and inspired by today's message. Yeah, so much I could say today, but uh, it's good to be here. Uh, Melissa and I travel and have ministry here and there. Last week we were there, now we're here. It's always good to be here. How's that for summing it up? Um, how many here like to play Scrabble? You like Scrabble? Okay. I love playing Scrabble. Some of you, maybe you don't know what that game is, okay? It's a board game where you, you know, blindly pick bunch of letters out of a bag and you pull them out and put them on a tray and you have to form a word and the, the common letters you know have one point but then the letters like X and Q and Z have eight to ten points and there's nothing like pulling out a batch of letters and having a Q and a U and an I and a Z and you put down a word like that and that spells quiz and you put it down on the board smack right on a triple word score that's a good day. Yeah, I, I like that game. I also, I like it so much, I joined a Scrabble club. But I refused to pay the dues and they sent me threatening letters. <laughs> Our dog likes Scrabble too. Uh, gobbled up a few wooden tiles the other day. and So we took it to the vet, left it there for observation, but there's no word yet. I, th I think that's enough. Two Scrabble jokes for one sermon. So I won't tell you about the time I only had two letters, a D and an O, so I had to make do with what I had. Okay, time to move on. Why would I start a sermon like that? Uh, not just to get your attention, but sometimes the scriptures are like a bunch of Scrabble letters. You know, we have the daily bread, we have devotionals, a pick a scripture here, we have a few memorized, today's message is on this, and we go somewhere else, and we hear a message on that. Sometimes it's like I've got these familiar scriptures in front of me, but I, I, I want some more meaning, I want it to make sense, and there's, there's this idea that the Holy Spirit wants to give us a word, give us something beyond what we just know and grabbing a scripture and a favorite promise when we need it. Well, this happened to me recently. It actually began when I was sitting over here with Frank DiMazio's uh, message. And uh, something Frank said, some scriptures that came to mind, some uh, circumstances, and then a prophetic word. It all came together and gave some new meaning. So I took some time and wrote it out sent it to the Lake Mount staff, and Pastor Matt asked me to share these thoughts with you today. So you good? You want to hear that? Yeah, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you're always speaking because you always have something to say to us. We thank you, Lord. You always have something to say, and we want to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe we're already seeing the early signs of another once-in-a-generation kind of spiritual awakening. One that brings in a great harvest of people from outside the church. I believe, not that it's coming, I believe we are already 
witnessing the opening ceremonies. And the main event is coming soon. Now, I've been here twice before in my lifetime, and I've seen people and churches transformed, and I've seen people and churches miss out. And I want to make sure all of us here are ready, including me, for what's soon to be thrust upon us. Now, why do I believe this? I believe it because of what I see, what I hear, and what I read. All three things, and I'm going to go over that right now. So, what do I see? Well, I see one of the sure signs of an awakening. And one of those is that when we see the response exceed the invitation. Okay, we're, I'm used to, maybe you're used to, uh, I'm glad it's not like this in this church so much, but I've seen pastors and been there myself, you know, just... Like, anybody who needs this, put up your hand. Uh, anybody who needs that, uh, <laughs> I see that hand. I wish it was raised. And, you know, and finally you get somebody, they keep broadening the appeal and keep working it till somebody responds. <laughs> and maybe that isn't your experience. But that idea where the, the invitation's bigger than the response. But when you see the opposite happen, you know something's up spiritually. And so I've uh, been hearing this from other pastors because one of the things I do is I help other churches. And I've been the interim pastor at nine different churches. And uh, we've been overseas to four or five countries in the past year. And we have connections. And so I'm, I'm hearing and seeing. And one of the things I saw myself was when I was in Nepal with Pastor Puspa, a Monday morning teaching, uh, and I didn't even have a chance to get started the teaching on Monday morning and the Holy Spirit began to encounter people and I had to wait for an hour, two hours, till I could get started the teaching because we had to explain to others what was going on. Oh, there's that person over there. Come on up. What was happening? Well, I just saw a vision of Jesus and this and that and it just went on. See where the response is exceeding the invitation. And we saw that here in this church in wonderful ways uh, back at one of the times of refreshing that I'm going to talk about. But I'm seeing this around. I was just talking to my friend Ed Dixon, missionary to Ukraine. He's there right now. And another friend of mine is there right now. And we were talking. And he says, we've planted 10 churches during the war. 10 churches during the war. I said, what's your biggest prayer need? He says, chairs. I didn't expect Christians in Ukraine to say to me, my biggest need right now is chairs. He says, we can't fit the people in, and God is moving in many ways. Uh, Bangladesh, it's the same thing. So I've seen a lot of this myself. But next, because of what I hear. And I believe I'm hearing the prophetic soundtrack that goes with the video I'm seeing. If you watch a YouTube video without sound... Sometimes you go, what's going on? Even though you're watching it, you're going, what's going, what's that? You know, and then you put on the sound and you find out. And when they go together, the understanding comes. Well, the prophetic soundtrack would be this. There's been two prophecies given by the same man, uh, a man that Melissa and I know and trust. God used him to accurately predict the Toronto airport blessing movement, that, that, Holy Spirit thing that began in the 90s, he accurately predicted it a year ahead. 
And now he contacted a few of us and met with us because he says, I hear the Lord saying the same thing. And it's about to come again. Only this time it will be stronger. Now he took an hour and a half to unpack that. And maybe I'll share a little more in the message if we have time. But that's one of the things that I'm hearing. Now, man I'm referring to is Mark DuPont. And he's from California. And in 1992, oh, I should say first, he had participated in the Jesus Revolution. If you get a chance to see that in any streaming platform, please do. That was a, a worldwide awakening, but really came out of North America, started in California. And where one pastor let one hippie into his church... And uh, a year later, they were baptizing three to 500 people a week. True story. And so Mark came out of that movement. And in 1992, he was invited to come to Toronto at the, at the word of the Lord, went on staff with the church, and immediately the Lord said, I'm going to do something here very soon. So he's back in California, but in April, God said, I'm going to do it again. And... Uh, and so he called a few of us together and met with us and explained this. Thirdly, I believe we're in the early signs of a true spiritual awakening because of what I read. And now I want you to turn in the Bible. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, we'll give the context and we'll pull out of this what I call the three R's of revival. This was Peter's explanation to the people uh, during a time when God's spirit was moving powerfully. Okay, we're going to read the verses, but I can't call this revival because this is just a few weeks or months after the church age began where it was born with a big bang on Pentecost Day, Acts chapter 2. And so after that, I'm sure a lot of people thought, well, that was nice, what next? Well, Peter has this experience that needs some explanation. So you can't, I can't call this a revival because it's the first time it ever happened. So, you know, revival means to live again. So this was a vival and everything that happened afterwards was a revival. Is that okay? So we're going to look at the vival and then we're going to look at what revivals can happen after that. So Peter and the context here is Peter and John are walking up to the temple uh, to pray. They had been committed to gather to pray. Yes, that's a hint. And uh, if you're looking for some of the prerequisites to be part of what God is doing. And they heal a lame man who'd been there day after day. And by the way, Jesus would have walked in that same gate and never healed that man. And, and this is apocryphal. This is not the word. But I imagine Jesus walking through there and go, oh, that'd be a great man to heal. Everybody would know. And the father says, ah, 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 don't touch him. Saving him for Peter and John. That's for a few months from now, son. Because my timing's perfect. Yeah, he's been praying every day. But I have a moment prepared for that man that's going to fulfill my purposes. Yeah. So, Peter and John through uh, the gifts of the Spirit, heal the man. Now, you would think that would just make everyone happy, but it confused some people. So let's pick it up, verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? 
Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. So let's stop there before we go to the main verse. You see, Peter had to give them perspective. Because they're going, something just happened. Something just appeared here. Well, I know we had the day of Pentecost. I know Jesus healed people, but... What's going on now? And Peter said, well, let's stop. Let's, let's go back and see what led up to this. What happened? And when I review what happened, and you see the purpose of God, you'll go, oh, of course. Not only will you say, of course, you'll say, again. And more, Lord. Perspective. Have you ever driven a car without a rearview mirror? You know, uh, I mean, before all the modern electronics, I was in driving school one day and the mirror fell off. I was really nervous. And the guy said, keep driving. And like everything that passes you just suddenly appears and can make you nervous. And uh, driving, staring into the rear view mirror could be very dangerous. But driving without a rear view mirror, you may drive okay, but you will be surprised by everything that comes suddenly on the scene around you. And so Peter says, let's have a brief look back so that we can set our hearts forward to what God wants to do. That's such a good place to say amen. So when you don't know the why, you can miss out on the what. And without understanding God's agenda, when something powerful happens, you may sit back and ponder rather than get involved. I was going to save this for later in the message. I'll save it now. Because at this age, you know, thoughts are visitors. They're not residents. And when they knock on the door, you better answer. Because then you usually can't find them later. So I just had this thought. It is in my notes. I just forgot it. No. No, it's the why versus the what. Okay? When you know what God is doing, when you know the agenda, it makes sense. So we had this thing recently in America called the Asbury Revival, a prayer movement. It was a time when the response exceeded the in invitation, when we were just going to have a prayer meeting in our, our Bible college devotions. And the next thing you know, people are coming from all around. They're lingering. The presence of God is in the room. And... If we do not understand the purpose of what God's doing, we go, oh, that's nice. I remember we had that at Lake Mount. Or we had that when I was growing up. When I was in college, yeah, we had great meetings. And, and we sit there and we form an opinion. And it was C.S. Lewis that said, the problem with being a great theologian is you can mistake it for being a great Christian. And, and, and when something happens, it's not to form an opinion, it's to reform a lifestyle. 
And so when we see Asbury, we say, oh, God, is that what you're doing? Repentance. I know what the purpose of repentance is when it comes to refreshing. You're getting us ready for something. Oh, I better get on board with this. I better start coming to pre-service prayer meeting. I better just sit in the presence. I better get soaking a little more. I better get back to what I used to do so that I'll be ready for what you're going to do next. I don't want you to suddenly drive by me in the next revival and me then looking, how do I catch up to what you're doing? I want to know you're coming so that I can be at the right speed of what you're doing and be part of it. It doesn't have to surprise you. We need to know how to respond. So Peter then gives us the meat of the message, which is verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the prophets. So the three R's. Now, if you're old enough, you'll remember, <clears throat> like our parents used to say, <clears throat> excuse me, go to school for the three R's. You know, reading, writing, arithmetic. Yeah, yeah. You need to go to school if you think that's three R's. <clears throat> but that's what they called it, the three R's. Go there. Before you learn other stuff, you better learn the three R's. And Peter gives us the three R's of revival. Repent. Refresh, restore. Say those words with me. Repent, refresh, restore. One more time. Repent, refresh, restore. That's the individual, the corporate, the ultimate. There's a threefold purpose every time God moves. So the first is repentance, the role of repentance, getting our heart ready. When the people of God crossed into the, the land, they said, you know, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow we're going. There's always this Get ready. You go on vacation, right? We spend the, the two days before packing up stuff, making sure the cars, you know, got the oil change and everything. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to get where you thought you're going to get. Or you get there and you go, oh no, we are camping without a tent. <laughs> so get ready. That's what repentance is. It's not your bad. You better change. God doesn't like you. See, the devil wants you to think of it that way. Repentance is the invitation for God to forget everything you did bad. Like it's a good deal. But you have to confess it. You can't hide it. You have to confess it. You don't have to beg. You don't have to stand up here on a Sunday morning and tell everybody everything you used to do. But you need to find someone you can say, you know, I want to be free of this. Confess your faults to one another, not everyone. Find somebody. Find a prayer partner. Say, I'm tired of this. I want to change. And when you drag it into the light, it loses its power. Just like that Wizard of Oz guy behind the curtain, you know, a big image. But when you pull back the girl, it's just a little, little guy there. We can handle him. Pull it in. Repentance. Repentance, a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of lifestyle. Next, refreshing. Times of refreshing. If you individually want to participate in what God's going to do next, you will be part of one of the times of refreshing. Notice it's plural. And it's not a one-off event. 
Already in the first months of the age of the church, people were getting confused about this. And Peter said, you got to know the word. So he went back and he quoted what for them was the Bible. Those stories we just heard was the Bible for them. Go back to the Bible and see what it says about the expectations and the promises of God. Get familiar with this. And then repent and be part of what God wants to do. Times of refreshing. So then it says after an unspecified number of times, Jesus will restore all things. Here's a very important point. Every time that God pours out his blessed presence, and we're going to discuss what that looks like and what that means in just a moment, but every time he does, there's something added to the fabric of church life that makes us look more like Jesus. Because the ultimate, okay, the individual, the corporate, the ultimate, the ultimate is that Jesus is going to rule the nations. And that we're going to be the bride without spot or wrinkle. So he's getting us ready. So here's the, the thing that trips us up for those that are familiar with what I'm talking about. Revival, live again, doesn't mean do the old thing again. See, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Even now it springs forth. But we're praying for the old thing again. We're praying for one more time. Come on, Gretzky, put your skates on. Go out there one more time and back pass it behind your back or score from behind the net. No. There's, there's new ways that they do it now, okay? So we're looking for the new, the next, not because of novelty, not because of boredom, not because we think new is always better, but because we are participating in the ultimate plan and purpose of God. That is to make us look more like Jesus and to restore his dominion and his rule over all people. So therefore, we need to discern what it is that God's doing in each of these. And it was, this was the revelation that became so clear when I was sitting over there listening to Brother Frank DiMaggio when he said, not every move of God is the same purpose. They have different purposes. Some are salvation and healing. Some are church updates or renewal, getting us back to what we should be doing. Others are, um, you know, others are outpouring of the Spirit with the gifts. And I thought, that's true. And that is what trips us up. So let's go back to the times of refreshing and drill down a little bit on this, okay? What is the refreshing? What, what does that look like and why do I need it? Yes, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Yes, you can dig a well of his presence through your own habits and holy habits and lifestyle. Yes, you can always access his power and presence, but there are seasons, there are times when you don't need to dig a well. You just need to go outside and open your mouth and you're full. <laughs> there are times and seasons when prayers seem to be answered quicker, when the tangible presence and power of God seem to be closer and easier to access, when old habits seem easier to overcome, and where we're less distracted and where our hearts are more excited about what God is doing, where new methods of ministry become normalized, where things that used to take months take weeks, things that used to take weeks take days, things that used to take days happen in a moment. I'm not looking for the big bang, the big breakthrough, because every breakthrough needs a follow-through. 
but I am looking to be in step with God's agenda for what he's doing. And when a man I've trusted and known for 30 years, whom this Mark DuPont, as I was mentioning before, in one meeting, he was ministering to a crowd not quite this big, and he had a detailed word of knowledge about a certain physical issue, and he said, God told me before the meeting he wants to heal thus and so today, and he, it was accurate, and it was my condition. And then he says, you're probably not going to stand up because you've learned to live with this and you don't think it's so bad. He, like he was reading my mind. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm disobedient if I don't stand up. I, I didn't even go to the meeting thinking about it. And then I stood up and it was changed, healed, just like that. Now, wouldn't you like to see more of that? Yeah. yeah. But there was the response. There was being there under the spout when the glory comes out. You got to be there when it's happening. You got to be ready to respond. And people knew me in that room. I felt a little embarrassed to stand up, but you respond. And there's these times of refreshing. That's the type of guy Mark is. Very humble and low-key. So when he says, God's told me it's coming and it's going to be more powerful, I'm like, okay, let's get ready. Because what I saw before was great. Now, are you, are you interested yet? Is this good? Okay. So, Melissa was saying to me, that's my wife, Melissa, she was saying to me recently, Terry, we've lived together through two genuine periods of revival. And I think we're going to have a third. And she says, can you imagine getting to experience three revivals in one life? Like, that's like above average. Not us, but the number of times. It's above average. And what's she talking about? Well, I could go back to the 1800s uh, haystack prayer meeting. You've probably not heard of that. Started a missions move, move, uh, movement in the U.S. We could talk about the, the revival right here in Grimsby in the 1800s, the Methodist revival in the mid-century. We could talk about the Pentecostal Azusa Street uh, revival that happened simultaneously in different places around the world. And the missionary movement that came out of that and that was restoring the practice and, and faith for the gift of tongues was one of the things. We talk about the Latter-day Movement. We talk about the evangelism after the, uh, the uh, Second World War and, and the late 40s. And we had Youth for Christ and Billy Graham. There's, there's these times and seasons where great things happen. And there's always something added to the life of the church and to the understanding of how to live a spirit-filled life. But let's go to the ones that I've seen with my own mind and lived through. One is the charismatic renewal. Late 60s, early 70s, mainline church people started to get filled with the Holy Spirit in their prayer meetings. And they would speak in languages they didn't know. And they didn't know what was going on. And they were praying for people to get healed. And they'd get healed instantly. At the same time, these grubby hippies were coming into church, getting saved and leading the way. I was one of them. Do you have faith? I had hair down to here. <laughs> had a, I, I used to come to church in this big, like, sheet I wore over here that had ten colors and a big heart. And a, yeah, man, and bare feet. I didn't want to wear shoes. I wouldn't wear shoes. You can't tell me to wear shoes. Even sometimes our jeans were ripped. Can you imagine that? That was horrible. You can't do that in church. And I was one of those weirdos. And I came to a, a church and they accepted me. They, they never kicked me out. I mean, I, I, I abused them verbally. 
I mean it. I was abusive verbally. And sometimes I was high on drugs when I came to church, and they never kicked me out. And uh, hallelujah for that. And, yeah, I'm glad I didn't meet the guy that wanted to say, get your act together, young man, and then you can come back. So during that time, there was a true awakening throughout the nation. And many leaders, boomer age leaders, you ask them today, many of them have their roots in those days. Either they got saved or they got filled with the Spirit or they got the call of God or whatever. Many would say that. Who, who knows what I'm talking about there, okay? And all the old people put up their hands, <laughs> including me. And you know what? That was the time the PAOC, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, which is our association here, that was the time our church denomination grew the fastest. You know why? Because there wasn't any other mainline church denomination in Canada or the U.S. that the wineskin fit, the doctrinal wineskin, that the container, because we believed in healing, the gift of tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit, all this stuff that was happening to us that we didn't even have a language for, but it was happening. This was the only place that would accept us. The very church that I gave my heart to the Lord uh, through those people, when I actually gave my heart to the Lord, they told me when I said, hey, guess what? I started speaking in tongues. They said, well, that's of the devil. You better repent. Now, how about you're saved for three months? God's encountering you. And now your pastor tells you you're of the devil. What do you do with that? I didn't backslide, but around the corner was a church that said, come on in, we do too. So the wineskin fit. We talk about wineskin, we're talking about the container. Remember Jesus says, you're going to have new wine, which represents the presence and power of God. You're going to have a new experience. You better have a structure that can hold on to it. Or they'll both burst, and you'll lose both. The church will empty, and you'll lose the presence as well. So, we were good to go in that time. But then the 90s thing happened. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. 1993, the Pentecostals had a conference. I was there. It's called Copal Congress on Pentecostal Leadership. And we're all discussing what God was going to do next in the fall of 1993. And some of the things that were said and the pats on the back we had and how we were the stewards of the grace of God and what was going to happen. It was good, but it wasn't ready for what was going to happen next because just two kilometers down the road, <laughs> six months later, a divorced and remarried man, oh my goodness, had the Holy Spirit fall on his church where Mark DuPont was, and he was so surprised. He said, I thought we were going to have salvations and healings. Now we've got this, this laughing and this filling and People having these inner healing things. What's going on? And he knocked on the door of the Pentecostal churches. Called them up and said, help us. You know more about this than we do. And immediately, we distanced ourselves from them. Said, that's for you, not for us. Because our doctrinal wineskin and our habits and practices wasn't ready for the next thing. For the next time of refreshing. That wasn't going to be the old thing exactly repeat. It was going to be the same Holy Spirit with a new plot. And this was, as Frank says, a church update. Where we learned that we're human beings, not human doings. Where we learned that the Father loves us the way we are. Where we learned that we don't have to prove ourselves to God. God was saying, you guys have strayed so far. I just need you to get back. Sit in my lap for a while. Coochie, coochie, coo. I love you. <laughs> then we can get on to the next thing. 
But we didn't have any doctrinal coochie-coochie-coos. We didn't know what to do with that. When people say, I just love God, and I'm in the river, and I, he loves me, we're going, come on. Are you saved? Wow, that wasn't in my notes. Haha. <laughs> I wouldn't go there. I said, hmm. God wants to bring us revival. He can bring us here. We pray three times a week. And what was the West Hall? God knows my name. He knows my address. <sighs> well, time doesn't permit me to tell you a story. You have two options. Humble yourself or be humiliated. Take your pick. Okay, he'll get you one way or the other. And he got me. And I was finally dragged there kicking and screaming. Not really kicking and screaming. But one of our deacons at that time was a big guy, he weighed about 275 pounds, so I took him for protection. <laughs> Went up to those meetings, got zapped, laid on the floor while everyone else went and left. And I got up and said, what the heaven happened to me? Came back, said, let's pray. <laughs> Broke out here. Can't fake that. Can't fake that, can you? Can't fake that. And there's much more to that story. But our peers, most of them, wouldn't go with that program. And it bypassed us. Two reasons. One is the fear of error. Mark Twain said, Once a cat that sits on a hot stove, once will never sit on a hot stove again but he'll never sit on a cold stove either. Once bit, twice shy. Won't go back there. I'm going to protect myself. And that's fear. And it can masquerade as discernment. Puts on a mask, calls itself discernment, but it's actually fear. So there was fear because of excesses of previous times. Fear is a bad counselor. Tell somebody beside you, fear is a really bad counselor. Okay, don't listen to the counsel of your fears. And the second one was what I talked about, the wineskin. We just couldn't believe that God could do it a different way. So here we had to change things as we got prepared. I'm so glad that we had been listening to the voice of the Lord as best we could. A month before all this happens, uh, two months before all this happened, I had this urge to change, change the name of the church. It was Grimsby Pentecostal Church was the name of this church. I'm like, come on. First of all, we got the word grim in there. <laughs> Secondly, we're, we're kind of like a regional place. Pentecostal was a bad word in this town because of some things that had happened. People, oh, Pentecostal church. And, we, and I, you know how many times I said, no, 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 not that one. We're a different one. I said, let's get the word Pentecostal off the outside and put it on the inside. And so on the first vote, we changed it to Lake Mount Worship Center. I had this great idea. I brought in a lobster for the meeting, for the vote. And I was going to talk about how they shed their shells and then they grow. So we have to shed our own, you know, the old thing so we can grow bigger. But I put it in my laundry tub at home before the meeting. And I didn't know that a lobster either has to be out of water or in running water. So I drowned it. It was just a tub of water. I drowned the lobster. So I'm coming to the meeting with this biggest meeting. This lobster. So I'm kind of pushing it to make it animate it. As I'm telling people, we've got to be like the lobster. Like, dead in the water? No, that's not what I meant. And 
And it went through on the first vote. And it's so good. I remember John Dalglish. I was worried about John Dalglish. I thought, uh-oh, he was one of the founders. Here I am monkeying around with this. And I said, Brother John, is it okay to change the name? I'm really thinking I should. He goes, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, brother. Been wanting to do that for a while, but the old people wouldn't go with it. <laughs> he was always fresh to the day he died. That was one example. Another example was we started doing some kind of ridiculous prayer meetings and uh, different ones, but the one I remember the most was things were stirring in the local high school. So we took the men's prayer and sent them out two by two before dawn in the winter at this point with a scripted prayer to put their feet on the schoolyard and say, in the name of Jesus, there will be true spiritual awakening with fruit that remains. And we did that. Over seven weeks, 17 kids showed up at the church. Some of them calling me on Saturday night saying, can I come to church, Mr. Bone? Oh, I think I'll have to pray about it. Yeah, I prayed about it. Okay, come on. They came to the front row. Some of them have fallen away. But one of them's a pastor in St. Catharines today. And it was just like, let's pray a little differently. Let's raise our expectations. Let's go out and see. Many churches experienced that renewal, but it left. And it didn't leave here. Because you can experience something you don't understand, but you can't transmit something you don't understand. So when we understand what God's doing, and we see, I'm going to get on board with that. And I'm going to see, what else, what else might he do? I'm going to push the limit, not in, not in pride, not in obstinance, but in faith. God, if you're going to do that, would you be pleased to do this? It's one of my best prayers when I'm ministering outside this house. God, what's the biggest thing you would be pleased to do here today? I was in Taiwan recently, and I said, what would you be pleased? And he's like, I'd, I'd give these people a word. I said, really? There's 50 of them. He said, yeah. So I announced. I said, the next, the next meeting, I'm going to prophesy over all of you. And I did. It was two hours and 15 minutes, and it felt like 10 minutes. Because it was God's agenda for the day. We stepped into it. But if I hadn't prayed that, I, would, I wouldn't have done it. So what I'm saying is, let's start praying, God, what would you be pleased to do next? Can we go with that? Recently, I've had family members that I've been praying for for 50 years. One of them decided to follow Jesus. 50 years. I think he's watching today, said he'd watch. What would God be pleased to do next? I'm sure the worship team should come back now. That now would be a good time. I'd like you to stand with me. What's going to be our response? Because I'll tell you right now, there's times of refreshing coming. Times of refreshing coming. Now, one of the things I never expected out of the last move of times of refreshing was that God would tell Melissa and I to leave the church <laughs> or at least resign our position. We didn't want to. We wanted to stay in the situation we were on. But he said, I want you to be like that lobster. Let me take off the shell and uh, go out and do what I've called you to do. And for 20 years, we've been traveling. But we get to still be here and be part of it. That's cool. I feel like the guy that, you know, won on the game show and, and then goes to the bonus round and wins it all, you know. <laughs> to be here with you at this time.
Just this last week, a neighbor who's uh, been pronounced terminal and is palliative uh, asked me to come and pray. He says, you've always had good words. Come on in and, and visit me. And I did. He had a whole bunch of family there. And I thought, okay, here we go. Prayed. The presence of God came. And uh, yeah, people are coming into the kingdom. So let's, let's stop for a minute. Close your eyes and think with me with me. Who's somebody you could go pray for this week? Who's somebody that you're in relationship with? You could say, hey, what's your biggest need right now? Oh, you just got out of the hospital? How could I be praying for you? That's all. Something like that. How about we start exercising our prayer muscles? How about maybe for the first time in a long time you come to pre-service prayer or something like that? How about we find a prayer partner and say, once a week we're just going to do a 15-minute call, check up. Make sure our heart's clean. What's something we can do, not just form an opinion out of this message, but reform our lifestyle to be reformed, to be ready for what God's doing? What's something we can do? Just, I'm not asking for everything. I'm asking for something. Think of something. Don't do nothing after today. Because we need you. God needs you for what he's doing next. What happens if... Five people every week that don't even know how to spell the Bible get saved and become a big project for somebody for the next six months. How many of us are going to be willing to take on one person like that? What if these people from the homeless camp that Brother Craig's been reaching, what if they start coming in here regularly? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Let's get ready. Let's pray. Let's surrender. Pray with me. Father, I just thank you for this wonderful house. So ready for what you want to do. Prayerful, worshipful, under the leadership of revelatory teaching week by week. Pastors who are wonderful leaders. Long-time prayers and intercessors. New people with energy. Young people who love you. The Bible still being revered, even though it's being battered out there. What a wonderful place you brought us to, Lord. We're thankful. Jesus, we don't know. If the prophet Mark doesn't know what it's going to look like, how do we know what it's going to look like? If it's going to be bigger, then Lord, help us. Help us get ready. Give us a burning heart. Give us a burning heart. Because only burning hearts are going to be able to participate in what you're doing next. Rekindle the flame in Jesus' name. I've said enough. Pastor Becky, you're in charge now. Holy Spirit, you too. You can help. (laughs) And uh, this would be a good day to spend a few minutes at the altar just saying, Lord, rekindle that flame. It'd be a good time to find somebody say, hey, let's go up front. Put our arms around each other's shoulders and just pray for it. This would be a good day to do that. So come on forward. Ministry team, anyone who just says, I want to be ready. Come on forward right now. Thank you, Jesus. Fill us, Lord. Fill our hearts. Oh, also the Lord told me there's grace for physical healing today. Okay. Don't just come for that, but that's part of the deal.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at lakemount.ca or download our app for your mobile device. 